Latinos Out Loud podcast. Yo, 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 women, yo, 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 Okay, oh. I'm not sending out that message, but I am. Maybe that's like the universal call for the peas to unite. Blah, 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 blah. As you can see, I'm not Ooh. very. Anyway, don't have skills in certain regions. Um, literally. So this is the Latinos Out Loud podcast. LOL, y'all. L O freaking L. Oh. Um, how do y'all feel about that? LOL. Hi, I'm your friend, Tu Amiguita, from Brooklyn, but now I'm at Hatton, repping Upper East Side, All right. you know what I'm saying? Walking these Money streets making. with my dog and shit. Rachel La Loca! Right. Who else is in the building? What's up, yours? This is your Amiguito from up from Uptown, J, J Ferns. Uptown! Ferns, yo! Uptown, baby! Uptown, baby! Oh, you know we get down, baby! I'll put a crown on oh, baby! You know, <laughs> your amiguito from right up the block, you know, from Washington Heights, you know, Frank Nibs, a.k.a. Frank Spiracy up in the building. You know what I'm saying? I don't be fooled by the rocks in his watch. That's just, that's just Frank from the block. I, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, man? Used to have a little, now we got a lot, a lot of conspiracies. You know? Yeah, we got a lot of them. Um, oh, yeah, all day, you know how So it is. that's the L, the O, and the L, that spell, LOL, and we are L- here, L- you know what I'm saying? L- it's so good L- to be back, yo. Another episode, yo. Where we at? 300 and something. Because we passed that 300 Inside. threshold. 300 and change. change. Yeah, anything above 300, it's it's really just excitement, really. Because that... Like the movie 300. Ooh, yes. Know? Ooh, This yes. is Sparta, you Ooh, know? Ooh, yes. A little bit yeah. Sparta now. I love... A little bit Sparta now. I love I it. love movies about gladiators. Shirtless gladiators. Mm. That's what Rachel was going to say. I love movies about shirtless gladiators. I wasn't going to say it out loud, but I'm glad you said it. You know, there's something about, like, a gladiator on a chariot with no uh, chariot. Like- spray-on abs? Because that whole movie, they all have spray- <laughs> They all have spray-on abs in the movie 300. Not- it's just a bunch... It's 300 spray-on abs. Sprayed-on abs. I'm not mad at spray-on abs, okay? Because if I had access to that spray, I'd probably spray them on myself because it's absolutely <laughs> impossible for me to get to find abs. Absolutely. After having two kids, I'm convinced. I, I could do all the ab works uh, workouts in the world. I don't know if I'm ever going to get a six pack. I'm just not. I don't know. What if like I like I'm like if I sprayed spray on abs, but I went too low I'd be like, that means like you're. But like I've never seen a penis with abs before. Um, girl, Jamie has penis abs. I have never seen anything penis like that before. Abs. I was like, <laughs> um, uh, so how big? How how big was it? Um, forget size. It was ripped. <laughs> he must do these like fupa workouts because his like fupa was brolic and like solid. Brolic, yeah. Um, <laughs> his left testicle definitely works out. I Testicle, are there testicle <laughs> exercises? I'm, I'm curious because I don't own a pair. There's always one bigger. Bruh, there's always much, one bigger than the other. How much does your uh, how much your dick bench? 
How much did you dig bench? Yeah, how much did you dig bench, bro? This is if bruh. the spray on abs went a little bit lower by accident. This is what. Yeah. Um, like girls, we do Kegels, right? That's that's our. What's that? Ke- guys could do Kegels too. Guys can do Kegels, like ball Kegels. Yeah, it's like you what? hold in your piss. You hold in your piss. And what does that do? It makes what? your testicles tighter. No, it makes you um, less. Uh, it helps you for when you kind of are intimate. You won't go as quick. Oh. Because now, now you have the power to hold, to hold it. it. To hold it in. Wow. If it gets what is the, wow. Ooh, that's really fun. Um, well, look, Kegels is something that us females talk about a lot, like not for nothing. We talk about it because oh. it's, you know, said to keep things tight down there. So shout out to all the girls. And I think Sex in the City really popularized Kegels too. Um, Samantha. Okay. Keeping it tight, mm-hmm, keeping mm-hmm. It tight. Oh, that's not something yeah. that your mom kind of told you about when you were younger. No, like, Mira, Nana, I got to tell tight, you about girl. I got to tell you about the birds, the bees, and the Kegels. And the Kegels. I, I, I don't know how my mom would ever have that conversation with me. That is a really interesting thing. Are there any moms wow. out there that have told their daughters that you, like, Eloeleros, holler at us, that we are Latinos out loud, and let us know if you've ever been on the receiving end of Kegel advice from your mom. <laughs> Oof. I think my mother thinks the Kegels is like a gang. Mira, I don't, I don't want you to be associated with the Kegels, <laughs> with those Kegels, okay? <laughs> but yo, speaking of gangs, I do want to talk, talk mm-hmm. about the girl gang. Gang, gang, gang. Girl Ooh. gang, girl I love gang. Girl. I love girl gang, gang. Girl, girl gang, gang, gang. That's my stuff. I want to just celebrate, which we often do here on the Latinos Out Loud podcast. I want to celebrate a little win. You know what I'm saying? A little win under my chin. Um, All right. I want to shout out my... All I do is win, win, win under my chin. Win, 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 win. Well, um, look, guys, I want to celebrate the 150 recipients of the American Express and Luminary Fellowship of 2022. And your girl, Rachel Aloka, is one of those 150 recipients. Hold on, Rachel, time out. Did I hear luminary? Luminary. Luminary. Oh, man, you made it up there. Sam, you luminous right now. Shout out to Luminary and American Express. If you guys aren't familiar with Luminary, Luminary is a female-owned co-working space. And they have buildings. They have, they're all over the world. If- Wait, is this like a she-work? Jamie, yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. That is so amazing. We work, she works. That's it. Yo, I mean, hello. I'm pretty sure that's Jamie. how they, they probably pitched it like that in the room. That's yeah. a great way to pitch it. That's exactly what it is. Um, and I went there recently for a video shoot with former guest Maria Rodriguez of Cosmic Love, who asked me to do a one-on-one interview with her as she wanted to air out some stuff that she experienced while shooting Cosmic Love and afterwards as well. And we were at Luminary. Shout out to another former guest and friend of the room, Ellie Jazz, who also works at Luminary. So I went there for the shoot, and I basically see this plastic, you know, one of those photo frames promoting a Latina small business-owned Uh, or a fellowship that's going to be awarded to Latina small business owners. 
So I applied. You never know. You know, you never know. I applied and know. I got it. And I'm so, so excited. And today was the welcome Zoom meeting where I was among yeah. the 150 Latina recipients. And even though we were over Zoom, there was a magic. There was an energy to be among all those Latina entrepreneurs. Ooh. Yeah, yo. Sweet. It was that's a pop that's a powerful sweet. thing right there. And right away the chat was bling 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 bling. bling the bling, chat bling, bling, on the bling, Zoom bling. was bling bling nail 2022. Everybody was like, yo, this is my business, yo, this is my Instagram, yo, this is my LinkedIn. All these new followers that I hit follow oh back right God. away. I could see what this is gonna be. A lot of cross-pollination. And I'm really excited to be among these women. And I'm very thankful to American Express and Luminary for giving me this opportunity. So Thank you. Thank you so Yo, much. When American Express involved, you know that ain't, that know. ain't no joke. I'm trying to never it's leave home without it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Membership has its privileges. One of them is the tagline. <laughs> so, yo, it's really exciting to talk about all this female magic because then Frank and I went to another very powerful and magical event. Frank, you should lead this conversation yeah. because sadly... It was an earlier event. I had to cook the chicken nuggets before I could head out of here. So I got there late and I missed a yeah. very, I think, integral part of the conversation, which I'm so sad about. But why don't you tell everybody like what we experienced with gender wars just last night? We went to a beautiful event by right by Grand Central Station, overlooking like the buildings up in, you know, in the middle of 42nd Street to uh, a beautiful event um, named Gender Wars with a lovely lady by the name of Victoria Jen Rodriguez. I believe she was a Former guest on guest here, right? Former guest of the right? show. And yeah. uh, it was uh, two panels. One of the panels uh, was uh, women, obviously, and the other panel was men. And <clears throat> both panels spoke about, you know, the differences in men and women and how they relate in actual relationships and in the business world. And it was a nice cross in how we, you know, we inter-relate uh, to each other when it comes to relationships and in the business world. And how to better navigate that? Because right now, there's a lot of issues going on between, you know, between the genders, so to speak. You have guys like Kevin Samuels and Andrew Tate, you know, that women sometimes, you know, despise or hate. And those type of guys, you know, just like are plucking away at women that are single and looking for men, and they can't, you know, find that sweet spot and find those those mates in their lives or you know the love of their lives. So. This event, you know, touched on that, and it was it was amazing. There was uh, I don't know, Rachel, this maybe was like seventy five women and maybe like ten men. Oh yeah, it was so definitely for me. It was like a dream come true. <laughs> oh yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Oh my god. There were a <laughs> yeah. Lot so of Rachel women. came. Rachel came um, after the women got off, and then when the men were there, that's when Rachel came in. Yes. So Rachel, you take it from there. What did you think after you heard all of that? Mm. Well. It was a really interesting conversation to be in the audience for because there were questions that were asked that had people a little stumped or, you know, with the need to really organize their words, especially when it came to the men. Un por ejemplo, Victoria Jen Rodriguez, who was the moderator and host of this whole right. thing, um, asked the men, when was the last time? And tell us about when a woman has emasculated you. So we were talking, yeah, right. yeah, we were talking about what is this therapy? Yeah, Damn. basically. Yeah, it was deep, basically. man. It was really, it was like in depth, man. It was in depth, man. She wants.
wanted to it wasn't know. That. Jamie, you're good. Jamie, look, you're good. Like guys like me are looking for a mate, so you know maybe it's a little difficult for us. So you know you. you no, know. I know, but if I got that question, I'd be like, uh, Sister Teresa, third grade. Uh, <laughs> I'm Lady Queen of Martyrs, Grammar School. You know, Victoria. But no, um... <laughs> she wanted to hear the examples, but... and I love that because maybe we need to hear the examples so that we can grow from them and also reroute our behavior as women a little bit, you know, mm. or mm. be a little more sensitive to those feelings. I learned a lot about men's feelings last night. I thought that was interesting. And I want to shout out the men right now. I want to shout out the men who are protectors. And when I say that, I mean both physical and just protective of us as females, our brand, our feelings, who we are, our emotions, the fact um, that we are built differently. You know what I'm saying? That takes a lot to really yeah. understand on the daily, whether you work with a lot of women, live with a lot of women, have nothing but sisters or have nothing but daughters or, you know, your significant other. Mars and Venus, baby. And also, I think we have a lot of work to do as a society, as men and women in 2022. We're learning, mm. you know, Me Too was a crucial pivot in our right. um, coexistence. And I think we have right. to continue to learn and understand that we are so different, but that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Yes. As long as we talk about yes. our differences and then we, we work with those ebbs and flows with one another. I appreciate Victoria yes. Jen for what she did last night in sparking conversation that's a little uncomfortable. I want to give a shout out to Candy Calderon. She was on the women's panel, Dominicana. Check her out. She spoke about uh, our brains and how they're different in terms of women and men and how that makes us think differently and how we deal with situations and emotions and, and all these other facets that, you know, make us different, you know? So she spoke about that. So check her out on IG. Shout out to the other panelists too, Cara Alwil and A-L-W-I-L-L. Like you said, Candy, she's a brain health and wellness expert and Latina. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, yo. Yo, and check your yo she was talking like the inside of the brain, like it's different, like it's, it's our, our stuff is like shaped different and that's what we think, like sometimes we don't really like go into emotions, like we're like cold and women could go more into emotion. I also heard that men are from Mars and women are from Venus, but I don't, don't quote me on that. I don't know right. if that's a fact. I don't think that's a fact. I think men are from somewhere <laughs> further into the galaxy. Uh, I think Mars <laughs> is a little too close to the sun. If I'm honest, I think they're maybe from the planet that's not a planet anymore, Pluto. Remember Pl Pluto got kicked out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think it exists in the educational books Men anymore. Men might be from Pluto. That's my hypothesis. <laughs> Moving along. I guess. Following up to that, look, guys, I want to talk about somebody who's definitely not from outer space because he's pretty grounded um, and pretty amazing. And he was a guest on mm, the... Grounded. He was a guest on the Latinos. Gee, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> Brian, yeah. sit back, all right? This is, this is quality, quality <laughs> audio material, okay? Quality Dolby surround sound. Um, definitely grounded in his craft. I'm so excited to talk about this and also was very excited to interview him because he's the voice on a really exciting cartoon animated series on Netflix called Waffle and Mochi's Restaurant. And guess who that what? stars? Yeah, he Ooh. plays Mochi and the show stars Michelle Obama. Okay. 
What? What the hell? It's a show. Okay. Uh, basically, an educational food show for kids, and it's so exciting, right? It's on Netflix right now, so check wow. it out. That's cool. He's the voice of Mochi, which is what it sounds like. You know, Mochi. He's a little piece of Mochi, mochi with mochi, a voice, mochi. Yeah. and his best friend is a waffle. So it's Waffle and Mochi's oh. restaurant, and it's with Michelle Obama among other stars, like our interviewee David Bizarro. Yes, his last name is Bizarro. It's amazing. Bizarro, come on, Bizarro, doble zeta. And we had a great conversation, and I'd love to get into it right now. Welcome. This is the Latinos Out Loud podcast. You know what time it is, LOLeros. To all the listeners out there right now, you know the script. So say it with me. This is the part of the show where we interview someone amazing. I say it all the time, David, all the time. But you know what's one thing you won't find here at Latinos Out Loud? A lie. You won't find a lie because we don't tell them. Everyone we interview here is amazing. I'm so excited to talk to him. He's a first-generation Latinx actor and puppeteer, people. And might I just add, Emmy Award-winning puppeteer. Please put your hands together for David Bizarro! <laughs> Woo! That's with a double Z, so I had Hi. to add a little emphasis to the Z. Oh, I love it. I love the energy. That's like, that's the kind of energy I bring in the mornings. And my wife is totally on the other side of the morning spectrum. And she's just like, I just need you to like slow down for just a minute. I'm so tired. Damn, <laughs> so I so love it. I'm here for it. I drop off my kids at school in the morning and even the kindergarten teachers are like, could you just tone it down? Like, we're not even doing arts and crafts yet. Like, we're just feeding the kids breakfast. Like, you're yeah. walking into the classroom with way too much like alphabet or story time energy. And this is more <laughs> like the ascension to arts and crafts. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's like this pretty much all day, except for when I crash. But that's not now. How are you, David Bizarro? Welcome to Latinos Out Loud. Oh. Thank you for having me here. Uh, this is really exciting. I love your show. Uh, oh. Longtime listener, first time caller. Um, I, uh, yeah, I am doing really well. Um, today's a good day. I have a six month old. He's my first kid. Wow. Congratulations. That's Thank still you. pretty new. That's a new it one. Is super new. He was sick for the last week. <laughs> I'm sorry. And so he was home from daycare and I was taking care of, taking care of him. The last three days, my wife was out of town. So it was just me and sick baby. Wow. But he's back at daycare starting yesterday. So dad's gotten a break. And I, I told right. my wife this morning, I love my son, but I don't love taking care of babies. It's that easy. I feel like that's fair, you know? David, look, I have two of them, okay? And mm -hmm. they were both that age at one point. This is a really trying time. You've got to be super vigilant. You've got to oh, be yeah. like, Hawk eyes, eagle eyes, uh, you know, but congrats to you for successfully you. completing daddy's daycare, you know, and also <laughs> having a sick one that little is scary. It's it is scary. very scary. Yeah. It's, it's not like they could communicate and be like, hey, dad, I need some more Vicks Vapor Rub. They can't say that yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. By the way, start yeah. programming them young. You know, I got my seven and four year old talking about, mom, I need more Vicks Vapor Rub, you know, and that's oh, yeah. like a staple for us Latinos. So I'm really yeah. proud of them. I, uh, the first time he got sick, the very first cold he got was last month. 
and I did a TikTok and I don't really do them very often, but I took this like audio. Everyone's heard it where it just, it's from uh, Lion King where he goes, it's time. I took that <laughs> and I'm, it's my hand reaching into a drawer and pulling Vic's va- vapor rub out and yes. like walking it over to him. And then I put it on his chest. He started feeling better. And then we go to my doctor the next day. I was like, hey, so can we use Vic's vapor rub on him? They're like, hey, so for infants, you're not supposed to put it on their skin. I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. And so I've got a special baby Vicks Vapor Rope. I learned that there's tablets you can put in the shower. And so oh. we put a tablet in the shower and we sit like and let the room steam. And oh, so the he gets steam. like yes. the good va- Vicks Vapor Rub that way. Yeah, Vivaporub is coming out with all these products. I'm very proud of them. They got yeah. the inhaler that people get addicted to. Uh, I've seen it. I didn't Have know you about seen the them? Oh my God. No. It's just a combination of things. It's like the Vicks Vapor Rub, which us Latinos already are already addicted to, and then an uh-huh. inhaler that you stick up your nostril and sniff it up like Tony Montana. You know what I'm saying? Oh it's weird. It's I weird. I knew there was like an incense you could put in your car and like another for your oh keychain that you could God. wear. A I keychain? didn't know there was an. Yeah, there's a keychain version of it that what? you can put on your keychain. Every now you just go, give oh it a little Oh my smell. God, what's happening? What are they doing to us? They're making us more like addicted. You they know, know their market. They know their market. David, do you know what I'm addicted to? The fact mm. that you're a puppeteer. How often can oh, I you. say I've spoken to, I've met a puppeteer? Not only a puppeteer, you've done some pretty amazing work with the likes of like Sesame Street. You're an Emmy Award winner. Like... Can we, okay, LOLeros, which that those are our Hive members, the LOLeros. Okay, that's the LOL Hives. Okay, so the LOL Hive, the LOLeros love to hear about these really interesting career paths. Or maybe when I say LOLeros, I'm just saying me, because I really like to hear about <laughs> these super fascinating career paths, because I know there's people out there right now that are like, hmm, I wonder what it takes to be a, an Emmy Award winning puppeteer. You know what I'm saying? And I love your voices. I could see already how much your child must love being taken care of by of you, like by you because you must whip out yeah. the puppets and the voices and the fun oh, you're a fun dad okay super loaded question but i'd love yeah. to hear more about your career path and how you ended up being an award-winning puppeteer yeah and i really yeah thank you for asking i i i want to share my story and that because i i, I find that especially with uh with the BIPOC community as a whole, we often don't find ourselves in this career because we don't understand that it's an option for us. And with that said, I didn't get into puppetry until I was like 28. And I didn't know that I wanted to do puppetry because I didn't know it was an option. So I started out in acting when I was about like, I was a kid. I might've been eight or nine, somewhere around there. I wanted to be an actor. I really loved watching comedy. Um, at some point in middle school, The Pest came out. And if you know the movie, The Pest, it's John Leguizamo. It's not the best movie ever. <laughs> but as a little tiny, like, itty bitty boy, like seeing a Latino Jim Carrey, basically, for the first time, blew my mind. And I was like, yeah. well, maybe this is a space that, like, I, I connected with. I didn't understand that it was resonating me with me on a cultural and, like, ethnic level, I just knew that I, 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 I kind of felt myself having access to that. And so I was like, I want to do comedy like him. So I started getting Charlie Chaplin and I started getting into Mel Brooks and like really kind of bouncing all over the place and learning as much about comedy as I could. And in school, I did theater. Uh, and my mom was like, well, let's get you out there. Let's start doing auditions for commercials and things. Go mom. And yeah, Woo! my mom, my mom's incredible. So let's take a quick pause to talk about my mother. Go ahead. She's a huge part of 
my development and my career uh, and my success, of course. So my mother came to this country from El Salvador when she was 16. Salvi, represent right now. Represent, okay? (laughs) We are Latinos Unidos here, okay? Yeah. So shout out to El Salvador. Absolutely. And thank you for saying that. Um, Because also, like, well, let me talk to my mom first. Uh, So... She came over when she was 16. She was fleeing the Civil War at the mm. time. Because if for listeners who don't know, because it's not super well known, some people know. Um, in the from the 50s to the 60s, there were several genocides that happened in El Salvador. And then that sparked a civil war in the 1960s through to the 80s and at like late 80s, maybe even in the 90s. And my mom fled El Salvador in 1981 or 1980, uh, because her life was directly threatened by what was happening. Gosh. Came to the States, had me when she was 19, and, uh, you know, got divorced and was a single mom for a little while. And we were like, growing up, uh, she was a nanny at one point, and we were just living with a family. And it was, we were in one room together, and she was cleaning the house, taking care of the kids. And then there was me living there. And, uh, you know, th- Watching her and the way she navigated life, I learned that to just to be successful isn't just being successful. You don't just be successful. You have to survive first. That's Mm. the first and foremost is survival. Right. And so my mom taught me how to survive, how to speak up for myself, how to have confidence and also how to explore my creativity. So when I say my mom took me out to go learn about acting, anytime I was curious about something creatively, she would say, well, here's a book I found at the antique store about, you know, old classic painters. Here's a book on how to learn the piano. Yes. Uh, She would put those things in front of me and say, figure it out. Like, here's the information. Here's the knowledge. Figure it out. And now as an adult, that's what I do with everything I touch. So uh, acting didn't quite work out for me at the time because uh, I, you know, just as we are all... Uh, really, this is across the entire board with everyone in the world. Not all Latinos look the same. And when Hollywood at the time, and even before that, and even still now, has certain perceptions of people of color and what they should look like on screen, uh, that is changing. And we're seeing it change in really big ways, which I'm super excited about. But when I was like eight, you know, nine years old, they expected me to look a certain way. And when I go to auditions, they'd be like, oh, you're not brown enough or, oh, you're not white enough. And they didn't say those words specifically, but they would like look at me and go, you know, that this is like a an audition for a Latino character. Right. Or they say, like, oh, this is not. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, this is for a white kid. Right. And it's like, okay, well, where do I go? So I left acting for a little while and I got into production learned how to be a camera operator. Uh, I got really fascinated with editing and storytelling. And uh, my mom encouraged that. And my stepdad at the time was working for a production company and he convinced them to hire me as a camera guy at like age 16. Holy moly. Yeah, I'm running around the country shooting documentaries and uh, learning a real joy for just capturing imagery and capturing stories. So- that then led me to my first real creative career. Uh, I convinced uh, the person who was running uh, the media show, basically, uh, for the band The Flaming Lips. They're this indie band. 
that's based out of Oklahoma. They're they're really great psychedelic music. Um, they hired me to basically do anything visual. I was doing animations, motion graphics, uh, like stuff for their live shows, toys, posters, like anything visual they needed, I was doing. And it really fit into the way that I've been coming up, like what my mom had instilled in me, which was uh, if there's a thing that's interesting to you and creative and someone else has done it, you could probably do it too. So find the information, the knowledge and just do it. And so mm -hmm. the band would be like, we want a weird toy. And I go, okay, great. I'll look something up. I'd find something strange. We'd collaborate on it. And I would learn how to make that thing really quickly. And it's because my mind already uh, had learned how to fail and fail and grow and grow and how to improve. So I wasn't afraid of that. Mm. Um, so here's how puppetry happened. So I leave the flaming lips and it was a great, I was with them for four years. It was amazing. What a great uh, name, by the way, the flaming lips. It's just it's really sticking with me right now. It's a really good name. Yeah. They're really rad. You might, if you like sort of indie psychedelic music, I think you'd be into them. They've been around since like the 90s. They're they're really great. I feel that um, way when I put on a good Latina red lipstick. You know what I'm saying? When I leave yeah. the crib, I'm like, flaming lips, watch out. Coming through. <laughs> That's how I feel when I get my like flaming uh, hot Cheetos on my lips a little too Ooh, much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, then I've got some flaming lips. But that's like a nice, like comforting. Like a tingle. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, yeah. So I'm in between jobs trying to figure out what to do. And I'd been curious about puppetry. And I, uh, at the time, had made a new rule for myself. I said, if you want to do something new creatively uh, that you haven't done before, you can't buy any material. You can't start it unless someone pays you to do it. And I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. And so I reached out to uh, a friend of mine who I had met through the music scene who owned a car dealership. And I said, hey, I found this cool puppet video. You need commercials like this. And I sent it to him. Ooh. And he wrote back, oh my God, this is beautiful. Can you actually do this? And I lied and said, 100%, I can do that. I will make that for you. Here's the budget. Here's how long I need. Let's do this. But and that's he... a good lie because that just means you have passion. You want to do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you had to do what you had to do. Just letting you know yeah. your excuse. Well, no. <laughs> and like, there's that whole thing like fake it till you make it. And I, I believe that for a very long time. But I think that that can sometimes be problematic, right? Like oh, if you sure. fake it till you make it, if you fake it, you aren't truly being it. You're just sort of like pretending to be it, right? Whereas like when my mom, she decided to start a house painting company, she'd never painted houses before. So she was I love your mom, to a... by the way. Never she's met incredible. this woman, but my God, she sounds like an amazing, go Latina mom. Shout out to all the Latina moms out there, empowering and persevering and just being innovators. That's I just right. wanted to give a and shout out. No, and like powering us through everything. Like it's, it's our mothers who are really the ones that uh, push us and care for us and keep you know, really the world running, right? I mean- I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad you did, okay? Just it's saying. just the truth. I mean, that's just how it is, right? So my mom decided to start a house painting company and she just learned how to do it and then started doing it. Wow. So it wasn't faking it. It was believing that you can do it and then just being it. And that was what I was doing with the puppetry. I was believing that I could do it. And so I said I could, because I knew that I could. And then I took a week and I learned how to build puppets. I learned how to shoot puppets and wow. perform them. And I made a commercial and it happened. I actually pulled wow. it off. And what I learned was I really loved puppetry. This art form really spoke to me in a really big way. It was feeding my performer side, but it was also feeding my 
uh, artistic side of like uh, drawing and doing animations and doing characters. So it was kind of a a, a weird sort of, uh, I don't know, amalgamation of everything that I had been doing for so long. So in uh, that, around that same time, I started dating my wife and we decided to move to New York. And I knew that uh, at the time I didn't know where I was going to move. I knew I wanted to move somewhere. Cassie wanted to move to New York because that's where her mom's originally from. And I... she was like, I want to reconnect with Heritage and like my family. And I was like, I just want to go somewhere. And I'm not crazy about California. It's where I'm from originally. And um... I was like, I, I want to go to New York, I think. And so we go to New York and I just plugged myself into the puppetry community, started meeting people uh telling them like what i'm wanting to do what i'm hoping to learn and the community was really open to me you know and i was kind of surprised by that because usually when you're the new guy coming into an art scene people are really like cautious of you because they're like is this person competition is this person mm. a potential collaborator i don't really know whereas with puppetry i came in and i was like i just want to learn how to do this stuff i'm just curious and they just taught me and so I uh, learned from Michael Shupak, who uh, used to run this shop in Alphabet City called the Puppet Kitchen. They were a puppet shop based in an actual kitchen, which was incredible. And that uh, sounds amazing. It was so cool. And this was uh, when was this? This was like 2013. And at that time, all the like upcom up and coming puppeteers were all going there doing this thing called monitor nights where we'd get together and we would practice our puppetry in front of a camera and we Love would that. lift each other up. We'd talk about like, what is it we want to work on and where do we see ourselves growing? And uh, it was really a great place for me at that time to grow and learn. Uh, and from there, as I was building in my apartment, uh, building puppets there for random projects and commuting to as many studios as I could, I made friends with uh, my now really good friend, Liz Hara, uh, who's an incredible writer. She's so, so cool. Uh, but she used to build at the Jim Henson Company that's based out there in Queens. Wow. And I said to her one day, because we, we, we get breakfast every morning is what we do, because we're early risers. And we sort of chat and check in and go like, how are you feeling? How's work? Like, what's going on? And uh, we're talking and I'm like, you know, I really feel like I'm plateauing at my skills and I need to be somewhere that pushes me and challenges me. And I'm not sure where or how to do that. because so I know that there's more to this medium. And I specifically wanted to work in television and film puppetry. And she was like, well, you know, I work at Henson and I know the shop manager fairly well. Why don't I connect you with them? And maybe you can get an interview. So I got an interview. I go in. I bring my puppets and I'm like, here's this puppet I made and here's this other thing I made. And they're and I'm doing this. And like Oscar the Grouch is like right over there. Oh my God. And like, I know, I know. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this puppet's not as cool as that puppet, but I made one. And uh, they're like, your builds are great. Unfortunately, right now we don't need anybody that does what you do. Um, but Jason Weber, the shop manager is like, but you're really intriguing to me. And that word really stuck out to me in the interview because he just kept saying it. He's like, you're really intriguing. And so we'll get back to you, but not now. Like, we don't have anything for you now. Month goes by. And at 6 a.m. on a Monday, I got an email that said, hey, 
David, uh, we have a place for you. Could you come in and can you be here by nine today? Amazing. And I said, absolutely, I'll be there at nine. Amazing. Uh, and I started working at the Jim Henson Company. And oh, my gosh. It was magical. It was it's a truly magical space. Uh, and so I started doing a job called Puppet Wrangling on Sesame Street, which is where you're basically hair and makeup for the puppets. You put on their costumes. Wow. If Cookie Monster gets a tear, you go and sew the tear really quick and you put them back out there. You rig props. Uh, if a puppeteer's having a hard time with a puppet, you go, here's what I would do, or maybe here's an idea, or you'd fix something to help them be able to operate the puppet better. And the 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 situation that this had created for me was not just a space for me to learn how to build, but also how to watch or, or a place to where I could watch the uh, pros perform and do their thing. And so what an like, atmosphere no to be in. What an environment to be oh around. My God. Like it's the kindest set in all of everywhere. Like I've worked on a lot of different sets and it is honestly the, the happiest set to work on. Uh, the sound guy at 5 p.m. Imagine. walks around and hands everybody a piece of chocolate. Ugh, I love him. Because he's like, hey, you know, I asked him, I was like, why do you do this? He's like, because everyone gets in a bad mood around five o'clock because they're hungry and tired. This little <laughs> bit of insulin picks everybody up. And I was like, you're so right. You're so right. That's like uh, a Sesame Street thing to do also. It's it like, really here is. you go, everybody, a nice little treat because you're doing yeah. great. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I love that place so much. Uh, Frankie... Uh, one of the camera operators, camera one, has been there since day one of Sesame Street. Oh, my God. And he, he talks like this. He's got a real, he's real <laughs> old. And he has got his banana. He can barely do his voice. He's got a banana and like a Sudoku taped. His Sudoku is taped to his camera. And he's just like sitting there. And it, it, he's, you're like, they're like, hey, Frankie, could, um, I'm having a hard time. He's like, I know, I got you. Hang on, hang on. You know, and he, <laughs> Uh, and he already knows what the puppeteer needs. He's incredible. Kid, when I when yeah. I started here, it wasn't Sesame Street. It was Sesame Block. All right, kid. That's right. Hey. It was no pavement. <laughs> it was all rocks. No no Why? shoes. We got all crazy, but you know. <laughs> Why you got to make it take the New York out of Sesame Street, right? Like, it's a block. It's not a street. Come on. <sighs> oh, my God. I want to meet this fella. This fella He's sounds really impressive. Beautiful man. Uh, wow. But yeah, so I was watching them perform and I also got to get close with the puppeteers as well and just get to know them as people. And watching them, I knew that performing, being on, the, being on that side of the lens is where I really wanted to be. And so I started working harder towards that, making it known that's, that that's what I wanted to do. And I started reaching out like a... I started reaching out to Peter Linz, who plays Ernie and uh, a bunch of other Muppet characters. I don't want to go through all of them because there's so many. Um, but he so is a, cool. such a sweet, beautiful human being. I reached out to him one day because I had heard that there was a Sesame Street puppetry workshop happening that was invite only. And sometimes I believe that you have to you know, open your own doors. You can't always wait for a door to open. You know, You have to like do what I call, which is like, you know, just like throwing that Hail Mary. It's just throwing it, hoping that somebody's there, like hoping somebody will catch that oh, ball. Oh, is that what it means? Thank yeah. you for sharing. I had no clue. I think that's what it means. It might not mean what it means, but uh, the, <laughs> I I did that with Peter and he was like, hey, you know, I love your reel, but I don't make the decisions, but I will pass this along to the people who do. He passed it along. 
two weeks later, I got an email saying, congratulations, you're invited to come do the Sesame Puppetry Workshop. And that was the beginning of me really putting like it, with the big guys, this is what I want to do. This is where I see myself. Um, and I just kept working and working and working uh, on my own content at home uh, and making sure that people knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I'm re realizing in this moment that I didn't, you asked how I won this Emmy. I didn't tell you. Uh, so when I was puppet wrangling at Sesame um, on season 50, Wow. Big, huge year, right? It's just like season 50. Wow. Yeah. Huge, <laughs> huge season. Uh, I didn't think that I was going to work on that season. Uh, so I, I I started kind of working there a little less and I was performing a little more. Uh, but one day uh, towards the beginning of the season, they were like, hey, we need you to come in. We're not sure how long your contract will be, but we really need an extra person. Can you please come in? I came in and was just supposed to come in to build props. And that's what I was doing. I was making all these little tiny things and, uh, you know, like a, 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 a prop for Oscar or whatever. And, so and cool. that kind of thing. Uh, so cool. Making, making props for Oscar the Grouch are the best because they have to, they have to be grouched, oh. which means they have to be made to look like they're just disgusting and gross and could come from the trash. So like there's never too much, making it gross. You can never do too much. You just go as far as you possibly so can. Fun. It's so, so fun. Yeah. Whereas like you make a prop for like Elmo, it has to be clean or even like Rosita it has to be clean and oh, pretty, wow. you know? Um, and so you have to be careful with those props. But as I'm working, I love that. Uh, they were like, Hey, we need you to go and uh, catalog all the puppets in the, they have this space where they keep a lot of the puppets that they want close to set, but a lot of them were hadn't been used in years or repaired. They're like, can you go through and catalog all the different puppets that need repairs? And so I went through and cataloged them and marked what they needed fixed and all that kind of stuff. And a week goes by and they're like, okay, cool. We need you to fix most of those puppets. And I hadn't done that for them before. And so I went through all these puppets from like the 60s and uh, late 50s and started fixing them. And replacing foam and rebuilding parts, repatterning things. And uh, I ended up working on the season more than I thought I would. I was doing so much. I was doing props, building puppets. I was wrangling on the show. I was doing a ton. And then we, you know, uh, go on our break because we shot the season. We go into that was the year that uh, COVID hit New York City. Mm. And so immediately locked down. All my work out the window, didn't know what I was going to do. And uh, about a few months into it, uh, I think in the spring, um, we got an announcement saying that our team had been nominated for an Emmy. Amazing. And so we won this Emmy for our wonderful work on Sesame Street season 50. That's Congrats. the long story of that. And rock that. <laughs> I would like find a chain that would support the weight and rock it around my oh neck my gosh. like a gold piece. You know, like next to my Jesus piece, I'd have my Emmy piece. <laughs> um, look, I need to talk about Waffles and Mochi. Yeah. Mochi's restaurant. Okay. You are working on an incredible show Thank with you. none other than Eloeleros. Are you ready for this? Michelle Obama, okay? <laughs> An amazing show that is on Netflix right now that everyone can check out. 
I'd love to hear it because I know we've got to wrap up in a few minutes. I would love to hear about your experience on Waffles and Mochi's restaurant because you play Mochi. I play Mochi. Yeah, I play a very small little pink uh, ball <laughs> named Mochi. He is Waffles's best friend and they go on a ton of uh, food adventures together. It is an incredibly adorable show. It's super funny. There's really great uh, guests all throughout there. Uh, Arturo Castro is on one episode. <laughs> yeah, and he's he is like some sort of ethereal spirit that just sort of like wisps in is funny and then just sort of wisps away. Like he truly is on another plane. Like he's just a really wonderful person. Uh, he's like a pick, a forest pixie or something like that. I don't know. Anyways, uh, it was an incredible experience. Michelle Obama is so sweet and so kind. She's in person. She's exactly how you think she is. Like, it's like hanging out with a family member. She's super kind, really down to earth, really relatable. Uh, it felt like I was like working with one of my tias, just like really sweet. (laughs) Well, actually, no, I would say auntie actually, because my tias are loud and like sometimes like super intense. It's actually a totally different vibe now that I'm thinking about it. But like, Michelle Obama is really sweet, really kind, and super funny. And I she was like, always like my tia would be like, "All right, everybody, here's some plátano maduro and queso yeah. frito." I feel like tia Michelle Obama's like, "All right, everybody, here's some broccoli and uh-huh. a banana and some yeah. oat milk." Oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> I think about it. I think about like my tia Deanna, and she. It's more like that's not how I would make it. I don't know. No. What do you think? I know. That's not how I would do it. And she would just yell about how it's not cooked right. And you're like, well, you get in here and do it. No, that's your job today. Ay, pero like, okay. my mantequilla. <laughs> <laughs> so tell yeah. us, tell us, tell us about this show. Cause I know we've got to wrap yes. up in a minute or two, but like, I'm so sorry. I could keep talking great, to you forever. Yeah. Well, because this is so, to me, this is unique as a mom. When I watched mm-hmm. the trailer, I was like, oh yes. This is true educational programming with yeah. fun weaved in and all these creative elements. So I don't want to give it away, but t- tell us about your involvement in playing mochi. This sounds like yeah. fun. So a lot of the show is uh, it's based in a restaurant that Waffles and Mochi have opened themselves. The first season, they're working in a grocery store. They have moved down the street. They've opened their own restaurant. I love they, this. They've uh, got this beautiful cafe in the front. It's gorgeous. Uh, and every week, they are encountered by some sort of food emergency. And so uh, there's an episode where it's Michelle Obama's birthday, but Mochi loves chocolate and Waffles loves vanilla. And so they need to decide which is better. So they go to where... Uh, chocolate and vanilla originated. They go to Mexico. Oh, and it's a super fun episode. We shot for twelve or fourteen hour. I think it might have been fourteen hour day at Teotihuacan. Full day at Teotihuacan. No way. Shooting a puppet show uh, at one of the was... world heritage sites of the world. Yeah, and also spending the day with Rick Martinez. If you know who he is. He is, he was uh, one of the main chefs at the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen. And now he does like his own books and uh, he's built a home. Uh, I forget where in Mexico he's built it, but he's back out there. And uh, he's an amazing human being. And I was, I really nerded out when I saw him because uh, he was like, you know, the the only Latino person on Bon Appetit. Well, no, no, that's not true. There was, Gabby was there too, but I just, he's just really cool. Anyhow. Spent the day with him uh, shooting at Teotihuacan. 
And it was just incredible. Like it was a place that I wasn't sure if I'd ever get to visit on my own. And uh, because of the show, I got to go there. Amazing. And not just Teotihuacan, I got to go, uh, we go and learn how chocolate is made. So we go to this place where they're making chocolate in the traditional ways. Yeah, got to see fresh cacao. We got to see it uh, after it had been dried. I love me some cacao. Yeah, traditional hot chocolate, the way it was originally made, which is delicious. It's incredible. Also, uh, side note, if anybody's seeing those things where they're like, there's a traditional sort of like spiritual sancy kind of thing that involves hot chocolate, it's a scam. It's a whole new thing that like is not even real. Uh, it's just an appropriation of our culture and heritage. Um, Anyhow, end of side rant. Waffles and mochi. Um, <laughs> we got to spend that day out there and waffles and mochi come back to the restaurant and, and discover that uh, vanilla, which is also originally from uh, Mexico uh, and the Latin Americas, uh, they're both delicious and incredible. And together they make an even better dessert, uh, just like their friendship. And so they make a cake that is chocolate and vanilla for yeah. Michelle Obama. And that's what the show is about. The show's about uh, embracing a lot of other morals like friendship and uh, how to navigate situations with your friends or with a loved one, uh, but also inspiring f- food curiosity. Because that's where a lot of our curiosities as children begin is with food. Right. And if we can teach kids how to be adventurous with food, they can also become curious with other things in their life. And that's a big Uh, goal of the show. I appreciate that because that is educational. And I think if you start with that foundation of educating the children on why we're putting certain things in your body as parents, you know, why there must be fruit, you know, basically we learned about this when we were kids, but uh, now I'm teaching it to mine. It's like the essential food groups and the nutrients needed and just coming at it from that like bit of a scientific approach too. So they understand. So it's not just like, oh, mom's giving me our, you know, the vegetables again. Uh, yeah. I'd like you to understand why mommy has to put the vegetables on the plate. David Bizarro, we got to wrap up here. I feel like oh we could goodness. talk for a long time. I, I mean, I oh. see puppets in the background. I want to see more puppets. Could you tell everybody where they could see more puppets? Like, how do they follow your career? Where can they follow you on social media? Tell the LOLeros, please. Yes. Uh, so you can follow me. The best place to go is to my Instagram account. It's just at David Bizarro. Bizarro spelt with two Zs, one R. I'm the only one on there. Uh, and you can see me. <laughs> I do a series called Cat Facts uh, with one puppet named uh, Jerry Fakakal. Uh, this guy back here, whose Who is name that? is Frank, appears on there. That's Frank. Oh, hey, Frank. Yeah. I saw a TikTok of a New Yorker just like explaining nothing but being upset about nothing. And that's who Frank became. Frank. Uh, oh, we yeah. all know a Frank. We all know a Frank. And so you can go there and see what I'm working on uh, personally, but also work what I'm working on next uh, professionally as well. Well, David, thank you for your time and being here at the Latinos Out Loud podcast. What you're doing is exceptional. Thank, thank you for you so blessing much. us with all this knowledge. And I hope the LOLeros are as inspired as I am. I really love hearing about your career and I can't wait to see what else comes of it. We'll be watching for sure. So please, everybody, one time, whether you're in your cars, pushing a vacuum, or maybe you've got puppets yourself right now and you're playing with them, please put your hands together for David Bizarro. Thank you so much much, David. It was really an honor. And catch him on Waffles and Mochi's restaurant on Netflix ahora mismo. Go ahead. Dale pa' allá. 
Thank you, David. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was incredible. Thank you. And we're back, you guys. What did you think? That was Bizarro World over here. Seriously. Wonderful. This has been a great and educational episode. It became bizarro. This episode became bizarro. (laughs) But it's cool. All right. This is Latinos Out Loud. You know where to follow us, guys. If you're not doing that already, please follow us at We Are Latinos Out Loud on Instagram, on Twitter. We're Latinos Out Loud underscore. Please call us 978-LATINOS. Please follow me personally, Rachel La Loca, Jay Ferns, Nibs0125. That's where we at on Instagram. Follow us, people. A lot of good content on and off the mic. Uh, Guys, should we do a que lo que? Yeah, let's do it. All right, que lo que, people. Hit it. All right, friends, it is que lo que time. You know what time it is. Say it. Go ahead and say it. Que lo que. It's so fun to say. Que lo que, locos. Que lo que, que lo que, que lo que, que lo que, que lo que. Oh, 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 oh. Who's going to go first this time? Shout out. I'll just shout out. Start out with ghetto.com. Ghetto.com. News and lifestyle platform for Latino men. Ghetto.com. Go. Go to the site. Check it out. This is a some good content there if you're a Latino male. Um, but, hey, Latino females, if you want to know more about Latino males, go to yellow.com too. Ooh. I love that so much. You get the lowdown. And then uh, Jay Fern's Instagram. Jay Fern's Instagram. And if you are, uh, if, if you want to, if you're not anti-Elon, um, Jay underscore Fern's Twitter. Oh, shit. All right. Okay. Anti-Musk? Anti-Elon? Uh, Anti-Musk. Okay. Yeah, although my go-to perfume in junior high school was Jovan White Musk. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, mm-hmm. I was on a key food salary, you know what I'm saying? Cashier, so... From Musk mm-hmm. till dawn. Oh, yes. Musk yes. till dawn. Yes. Okay, Jimmy. Uh, Frank, do you have any like good um Yes, last time yes, you, like, I do. I, yeah, with the gold yeah, I, very, I have very good <laughs> news this time around. Me. This is good laugh. news, and you guys are gonna the love it. From someone, away no, last yes, yes, no, this is good. This is about life. This, this is about life. This is about like new beginnings, and I'm so happy to announce this. This is like huge. This is like for the Sonoros team, for oh. us, for LOL. Our oh. own Daddy Lin Castillo got I... married. I should change her name. Huh? Wow. She got married. Congrats, she got married. Girl. Amazing. She, I, I mentioned she sang for the Nets the, uh, the other days. Now she got married. I saw she got married to her husband. Aww. He's a Marine. I'm so happy Congrats. for them. Blessings to them. This is uh, amazing. And she put it up on Instagram so and started exciting. crying. It was amazing. Shout out to her. I think she's a beautiful person. I never met her, by the way, but she's part of the Sonoros crew. I love her. Dominicanita, mi panita. Daddy Lean is host of the Morenita podcast. So shout out to her. Check that out yeah, also man. on the Sonoro yeah. network. Right. Facts. Blessings to them. Frank, you're so good with like the community shout outs, like the milestones, the weddings. Yo, we got to celebrate, you know, our milestones, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, we always have to, we always got to set that marker. We got to, I think that's what, that's the worst thing that we do. We don't celebrate ourselves. 
Yeah. That's the worst thing Latinos do. We don't celebrate our wins. And we have plenty of them. We have to make note of them as we I keep on going. I agree with that. They're like benchmarkers, I man. really agree with that. And then when we celebrate our wins, we let other people know about those wins so that maybe one day they could win those wins too. And that feels really great to win something and to pass Thank the baton. You. It's so fulfilling. Yep. Literally, I was a baton twirler. So I know what it feels like. I know. I seen you, man. I seen you twirl that shit. You know jokes, son. Don't make me get it right now. It's right here. <laughs> Don't make me fucking get it. I'm gonna get it for the LA. Yo, Yo, chill. Chill. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, no, she's really getting it. I'm always, I'm always. You away. Is that close to her already? Like, was I'm she gonna planning this? I'm going to do the outro of, of, of the podcast. I'm going to do the outro of the podcast. Rachel, your, your ceilings oh, are low. Wow. Chill. Wow. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the outro of the podcast while twirling a baton. You're easy, easy. You might hit the microphone, Rachel. So, wow. I just want to say thank you so much. Thank yeah, you, you so all the Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Did you see that? I, Rachel, ca I caught that. Okay. Did you see that? I... She just threw it. Oh, Thank my Lord. Thank you to Lord. the Eloeleros. Rachel, easy. For your continued support. Yes, I caught that Ooh. one, too. Um, and I want to say thank you wow. for rolling with us and for twirling with us and for everything that we do on the show wow. and for just riding the waves. So, yeah, um, really excited to hold this baton and I'm very excited to also pass wow. it. It's very important to take these batons and make sure you, you know, even before you pass it, let other people touch it. You know what I'm saying? Come here, Oof. touch it, and learn how to use this. Because one day, I'm going to give it Oof. to you, and I'm going to pass it. On that note, make sure to pay it forward, wow. people. It's very important. And there's a lot of Latinos and little Latinas out there that could sure use. Do you see that I'm ambidextrous with the baton, by the way? They could sure use the guidance. I see that. They could sure use the guidance. And if anybody wants to learn, <laughs> if anybody wants to learn how to throw this baton and be <laughs> like this. Wow. With speed. <laughs> And agility. A lot of batons were in there. Goes, there it goes. There it goes. There it goes. Feel like I'm at a pep rally yes. right now. So go team LOL and go team everybody else. And thank you so much for yes. checking out the episode. On that note, we out. <laughs>